0: Good afternoon, everybody. It's Brian with Exact IT, and I have my cohort here, Mr. Reginald Andre from ArcSolvers in Miami, Florida. Today is Monday, May 10th, 2021. This is a special Monday recording of uh, Security Squad podcast uh, because I have to travel later this week, and Andre was kind enough to record the show with me today on Monday, and then next week. We're going to be together somewhere in the United States, and we're going to do it live together. So that's going to be another special recording. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: welcome, sir,
1: before we get into the hot topics of the week. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I look forward to actually meeting you in person for the first time. I know, right? Yeah, it's
0: going to be. We've known each other for a while now, virtually, um, and uh, it's going to be cool getting together and... slapping hands and maybe uh, having a few drinks together. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So um, crappy day here in Philly. We got cold and and clouds for the last three days. I'm dying for some 80 degree and sunny weather. Um, (laughs) My whole entire family seems to be moving to Florida. So that's one thing. Uh, But yeah, I really miss the uh, warm weather. I can't wait for it to warm up around here, and then in two months I'll be bitching about how hot it is. So, so all right. So let's jump into uh, let's jump into the topics for today. Let's see what we got. We got uh, I got my social media accounts up here. I got all kinds of articles I want to share. What do you think we're going to talk about today? Colonial Pipeline. Oh, what happened with Colonial Pipeline? What what is
1: the Colonial Pipeline? Let's let's start there. Well, they're um, the, what, the biggest in the nor- in the east, on the east side. Yeah, the biggest pipeline, pretty much on the east coast, right? So, right.
0: so uh, it it must f- take fuel, refined fuel from uh, Texas, and move it through the country. So it right. goes from Texas. To through Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, Virginia, uh, Maryland, Delaware, all the way up into where I'm at New Jersey, I and mean, then was like little. It's almost like a river. There's little offshoots that that feed different parts of the country, and uh, they've they shut down. They can't move the they can't move the gas now, right? So. We can we can sit here and speculate on what's going to happen with that particular uh, situation, on whether or not we're going to have gas shortages in those areas of the country. I'm already hearing reports of rural areas and like South Carolina already are out of gas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and basically, what this pipeline does, it delivers the gas to those. You ever drive around and see those big white brown things? Yeah. That, so these pipelines pump gas into those and those, it's stored there until it's put on trucks or however it's delivered to your local gas station. Um, and that's how this stuff gets to your car at the end of the day. Uh, and now cyber criminals have set their sights on this, this company that owns Colonial Pipeline uh, and they've done some damage. They've put some ransomware out there. That uh, has effectively shut down their whole entire network uh, because, as, as you know, as we talked about on this podcast, when you have an event, you got to disconnect from the internet. You got to you got to stop the bleeding,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and they've done that. And but the result of that is now they can't move this gas from point A to point B to point C to point D, and it's it's at a complete standstill. And one thing that I'll give you is you know this is a big attack but in my opinion in terms of the amount of people that this is going to affect this is going to be one of the biggest right because solar winds was pretty damn big but it didn't affect the everyday person right it didn't affect somebody getting food gas medical care um SolarWinds just upset a lot of people who knew that their information got accessed or their email got read, you know, that necessarily you wouldn't expect that to be going on. Somebody else reading your stuff or getting access to files that you feel like are private. Um, So, and then you have the Microsoft Exchange one, which was a pretty big one, in my opinion, as well. Uh, but it didn't affect a lot of people. Right. That, that affects like IT administrators. Right. And if you got ransomware through it, yeah, it affects like your company. Right. But this is going to be huge. What's your perspective? That's my perspective. What's your perspective on what an attack on, um, you know, a, a natural resource like gasoline is? It's still very important. We haven't adopted electric cars you know, probably like it's going to be in 10 years, people still need gas to uh, fly, because I believe that this pipeline delivered a lot of jet fuel. Yeah. Um, Cars. What what else? You know, are, are maybe I'm just thinking kind of narrow minded here. What are you thinking in terms of the impact of this?
1: No, absolutely. This is going to be one of the first ones where it's actually going to affect that consumer market because, um, according to um, several news articles, this company transports forty-five percent of the fuel commu- um, consumed on the East Coast. Right. Um, so that's about fifty million Americans, and um, apparently, if I believe they said it, two days, uh, two more days. If this, um, if th- these systems are still turned off, Americans are going to start feeling it. Yep. And so I'll bring up
0: one uh, point of contention that I'm hearing uh, with people. Something like this that's a an attack on a major piece of the American way, right? Mm-hmm. Cars and gasoline are the American way. Would you agree or disagree with me? Yeah, no, absolutely. So now there's an attack on the American way. Right now, this might affect people filling up their boats, filling up their cars, doing the things that they like to do, getting to work. You know, this could have a lot of impacts when it comes to transportation. Um, and, and, and I guess the debate is, is this an attack? Should this be labeled an attack or is this just a hack? Is this just another cyber criminal event. And we're going too far by labeling all of these cyber events as cyber attacks or using the word attack. And I guess the reason, the context behind why I bring that up is I've heard from a lot of people in the last few days about this attack. And there's a very, I wouldn't say a minority, but there's a very good uh, number of people that are getting frustrated with the fact that we're calling these attacks. And I guess when you call it an attack, the expectation is is that you're going to retaliate to that attack. And because there's a lack of retaliation by the United States, by I'll say government and private business, should we be calling these things attacks and are we, are is that a concern for you the terminology or or are people just like
1: finding things to fight about what's your opinion on that all right so i have a the way i look at it is look at the cia's budget cia's budget i'm googling it now it's a, approximately 81 billion dollars what does the cia do for us what do we know what they do for us right they they don't normally go on the news and they don't Portray oh this is what we did last week and we we caused this to happen and they don't do any of that so my opinion on that is if Russia if China if North Korea gets hacked their news media is not going to admit it their news media is gonna is going to um, blame it they they may not even report it they just it just may be just another day another power outage so I think that and and that at the same time the U S is not going to also say yeah, we got them back, we sucker punched them or, you know, things like that. So I, I do think there's a lot happening in the background that we don't know about that's happening to these other countries that may be doing this, that they're, that other countries are just not going to report it because they don't want to admit that, you know, their infrastructure is weak or their network is weak or whatever like that. So I think the U.S. is doing something. There, it's just because of the nature of how they operate. They don't necessarily... Um, uh, televise it like how when we get hacked companies are having to um having to tell people because of their their public companies or whatever the case is yeah i agree i agree with you but the thing of it is is like we understand that as it people cuz we,
0: we kind of have that in and we study it and we know kind of what they do at the CIA the NSA even at CISA to an extent around this stuff but is that enough when people are seeing this stuff and people are worried about I mean what is the number one thing that most people bitch about it's gas prices well gas prices are going up because of this so when gas prices go up or people can't get gas and people can't live the life that they want to live i mean just look at what we just went through in the last year you know with coronavirus i mean mm-hmm. seriously like now you're telling people you got to stay home and now you can't get gas when when is the average American just gonna look at this and you know, read the headlines and say, why the hell isn't our government doing something about it? Like, I mean, I've literally heard people say that we should be doing military type things to countries that do this. Do you agree with that or, or are we taking it too far by, by taking
1: one of these attacks and then translating that to military action. I take it as it's an attack and I'm not saying I for an eye, but you know, if, if our infrastructure or if our gas lines get disrupted and if the U S knows how to do it and, and have the capabilities and know for sure which country is doing it or which country is allowing it, then, then yeah, go for it. But That's just going to, that's just going to start. It's, it's going to start uh, even a bigger, right. so like, so I think they have to look at it without the hothead, kind of like, all right, how do we diplomatically and, and uh, uh, retaliate to this without now, you know, we shoot at them, they shoot at us, and now before you know it, it's World War III. Right. So now I want to propose to you another
0: perspective. And this is kind of my perspective. At least it's been my perspective to this date. I don't know if I'm changing my mind. Probably not. But... Are we not like we sh- maybe we shouldn't be looking at this as like an eye for an eye, as you said, and looking at this as like oh they did this to us, so now we got to do this to them, and, and and rather we look at this as hey, we're not doing a good enough job with cybersecurity. This is our fault that this happened. This is our problem. We're not putting the protections in place. Like, if you live in a high crime area and you leave your front door open and your house gets robbed and you run out of your house going, it's the neighborhood's fault. It's the block captain's fault. It's the police's fault, right? It, it, it's kind of like the same thing. It's like these these companies and, and individuals won't understand this and their, their initial reaction to this is going to be, an ignorant one or an uneducated one. And they're gonna say, oh, well, we need to we need to respond. We need to attack. Well, no, what if we take that energy that we're gonna spend doing that and we just shore up our cybersecurity? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that as an option versus we just need to retaliate against everybody that does this stuff?
1: All right, so let's take it back to 1941 Pearl Harbor attack. Okay. okay. So that, that was a surprise uh, military strike by the, the Japanese. Mm-hmm. and now that that happened so now the military has put in in let's just say technology or equipment or surveillance that if you got 50 bombers coming your way you now know that hey something is about to go down and they have they have measures to hopefully be able to protect the building or whatever the case is so right. i think it's both you you have to strike back like they end up doing and also put in the technology to make sure that it at least uh, in this case in technology, we're talking about, you know, stopping it. Got it. Yeah. So let's
0: go into uh, this Forbes article. I'm going to share up on the screen here. My, my, my sharing skills have, have been lacking lately. So I apologize. <laughs> uh, I'm going share this up. Forbes, seven crisis, management lessons from Colonial Pipeline's response to cyber attack. Uh, And then uh, Ed Segal, who's a contributor for Forbes, uh, wrote that Friday's ransomware attack on Colonial Pipeline created a crisis for the company and the country and is providing several important lessons for business leaders on how to respond and manage crisis situations. And quite frankly, that's what we do on this podcast, right? Right. This is what we this was our goal when we started this podcast was to get this information out there so business leaders can learn and start to understand how they need to respond to this stuff and what they need to do way before something like this even happens to them. You know, God forbid, you know, you need to start planning ahead of time, not after the fact, Um so as reported by Washington Post, Colonial's 5,500 miles of pipelines carry fuel from refineries on the Gulf Coast to customers in southern and eastern U.S. It says it transports 45% of the fuel consumed on East Coast, reaching 50 million Americans. That is insane, dude. Like, that is a lot of fuel and a lot of people that can potentially not have fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it be interesting to see how this goes, how long it goes. Uh, major tests for Biden. Uh, the attack presents a major test for how the Biden administration will respond to cyber attacks on critical infrastructure at a time when hackers are increasingly targeting essential utility services. The outage, depending on its duration and who is found to be behind it, could send fuel prices in the southern U.S. above three bucks a gallon. Um and then the attack on, the CNN says, comes amid rising concerns over cybersecurity vulnerabilities in America's critical infrastructure following recent incidents. And after the Biden administration last month launched an effort to beef up cybersecurity in the nation's power grid, calling for industry leaders to install technologies that could thwart attacks on the electricity supply. Um We've talked about a lot about this. I mean, I don't even know where to go with this because the reality of it is is I have an idea for this that that, that you know I'm not gonna share today um, because I wanna research it a little bit and I and I think what I'm what I what I have in my mind, it might be premature to say it, but I do have an idea behind how we can fix this. Um but you and I talk about this all the time devices and software are put out onto market with vulnerabilities in them while they're on the market yep so it's one of those things where cybersecurity starts at, at there like that's where it starts it starts with the hardware and software manufacturers making sure that they're not putting out devices that can be hacked and vulnerable. So the question becomes how much time are these companies and how much investment are they making in not the functionality of the product, but whether or not the product was built securely enough on the proper standards that are going to make it a secure device? So when the consumer goes to the store and buys it and then puts it in their home or on their network, that they're not going to now become a victim of a cyber attack simply because they chose a certain product over another. Mm-hmm. So initial lessons he goes into, although the crisis continues to unfold, it's not too soon to point out some of the best practices that are being followed by Colonial Pipeline and the U.S. government. So the first thing uh, that he mentioned is tell people what happened. right? You and I talk about that all the time. Companies like to stay tight lipped or they like to say like, well, no data was taken, right? In like the first 12 hours of an attack. Um, What is your perspective on what companies should be doing after a cyber attack? Like how transparent should they be? You know, what, what should they be telling people when they go out and after a cyber attack?
1: Well, I think, for, I think companies have to be as transparent and on a need to know basis. You don't want to give too much information um, where it's giving tactics. But I think as far as what information has been compromised, I think that's very important to both the consumers. But at the same time, then this is when politics comes in because you have shareholders, you have investors, and the last thing that they want is their, this company stock or the value of this company um, to, to tumble. So I think that's the balancing act especially for these type of large companies but um for the you know businesses that mean you deal with I think it's it's important to notify the authorities to get their help to get their assistance um, and and be as transparent as possible because if there was a it's kind of one of those things um a uh, quick story one time my car, my car got um, stolen and Two or three days later, I'm looking for my spare key, and then I remember, oh my gosh, my spare key was actually in my car because one time I needed it, and then I end up finding my other key, and then I and I actually did tell you know the police and the insurance that this we thought they towed the car away, but no, it was because my car was open and the spare key was like on the, in the little middle compartment. So I think it's important that you have to, you have to just you know tell the truth and be transparent. If there was a mistake, if there was um, an error, if there was a, a, a software that had a vulnerability, you have to tell others so that they can be protected and lessons can be learned from that. So the next thing he says is you
0: call any experts, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, kind, of, kind of pretty obvious, establish priorities, which should be done in your plan, right? This You shouldn't be figuring out what the priorities are when you're in the middle of being attacked and you have ransomware, uh, you know, flashing up on your screen. That's the wrong time to establish priorities. Priorities should be established beforehand. Because as I, as I state, um, you know, people are gonna forget things. So um, don't speculate. Now, people could say I'm speculating by calling out dark side already. I'm not. I've done enough research where it's pretty evident that the people who have, who I trust that have, that are doing the research um, know that this is dark side, or at least they're the ones repping, saying that they're the we are the ones who've done it. Um, and I'll show that to everybody here in a minute. Um, but Scott Sobel, he's a senior vice president for crisis and litigation communications at KG or Global. Uh, a public affairs and public relations firm, uh, and you know, interesting that they interviewed uh, a public relations guy before a cyber guy, um, because what happens in a cyber attack? What's the, what's one of the things you're going to have to hire?
1: You uh, uh, forensic uh, or no public relations firm? Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, of course, of course, yeah. to
0: to do this, or you can try it on your own, but we saw how that went with. Uh, yeah. In the early days, I remember the, um, the uh, uh, what was that hack? Uh, the hospitals. Uh, I can't remember the name of the company. Uh, UHS. UHS and, and uh, King of Punta, Pennsylvania, they had a major cyber attack. And like the first two days, they were trying to do their own public relations. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't going well. Um, you know, they were taking messages down, putting different messages back up. And then... After a few days, it seemed like they reached out to a, a professional firm. Uh, Colonial and the authorities bit the bullet and shut the rest of Colonial's pipeline systems not affected by the, by the uh, first attack. This preemptive action took control from the, from the terrorists and mitigated the long-term effects, the intimidation and, and leverage the terrorists had hoped for. Um, that's, that's a little speculative. You don't know how far they got. And with any attack, you're taking everything offline. You can't trust anything, right? You right. don't have telemetry to tell you that this system wasn't touched, that system wasn't touched. You got to take it all offline. It's that simple. And then do your forensics. Um, and then So, Will goes on to say you want to send the right message, that you're being proactive, you're you know, you're being upfront. Um, you know colonial and like he says, they have large pockets and uh and they and you know they gotta start putting the money where it is. So like when this is all over, you need to reassure the country that you're putting the resources to cybersecurity. So this will never happen again. And anybody else that's in this business is going to have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, then I, the article goes on and say to isolate the problem and that name looks familiar. <laughs> oh, look at that. Wow! So Congratulations. Forbes reached out to me and I was able to contribute to this article and I'm very grateful for that. And uh, you know, as I've said before, isolate the problem. And with any cyber attack, the first thing you wanna do is isolate it by disconnecting it from the internet. Uh, and then I go on to say that once that's done, your team needs to come in and determine if the data was exfiltrated and what leverage they have to reduce the ransom, uh, ransom demand, if at all. And once they decide to pay the ransom, or or not. Um, they're looking at a heavy investment for new infrastructure because you can't rebuild on the same network that was infected. You're starting over. And if anybody comes in and tells you that you can use the same stuff, I'd head for the hills and go hire another company. Yeah, Because um, nobody should be using the same equipment because you have no clue if that equipment still has a backdoor that was planted when they were in there doing all this stuff. You're starting over. so. Um, part, of your, part of your incident response plan should include a list of things that you need to go and buy right away. Because guess what? You need to put the order in Friday, last mm-hmm. Friday, you know, for it to be there when you're actually allowed to start coming back up again. Uh, so then it just went through a couple other things that I gave for advice about incident response planning that you need to identify your ad sets. You need to put a plan in place to protect them. Uh, that includes an incident response plan, implementing tools to detect them, uh, and then executing a recovery uh, that will make you, you know, if you do it ahead of time, it'll make the event much easier to get through. Um, you know, you know, you're prone to mistakes, and that's what I always say. You're prone to mistakes, human error, forgetting things, and that leads to longer recovery times, larger loss of revenue. Um, And it's always less expensive to take care of things on the left side of the boom than the right side of the boom. And you've heard me say that on this podcast before. So um, more cyber attacks ahead. Of course, Brad Brooks Mm -hmm. of uh, OneLogin says that, you know, things are escalating quickly with cybersecurity. That's an understatement in my opinion. Um, And, you know, controlling and knowing who has access to your IT systems Uh, is a board level priority for every company. And I can't agree with that statement more. Right? And I kind of like what you said here. We're moving into an invisible cold war that was focused on stealing data to a highly visible hot war that has real implications for physical property in people's lives. Right. So, you know, this these types of events that we're talking about today, Andre and I deal with this stuff on a daily basis. We kind of live and breathe it, right? Because we work together. Uh, even, you know, we've talked about this before. We're, we're, you know, people can look at us as competitors, but I don't look at us as competitors. I look at us as teammates, you know, trying to do the best we can for our clients and our and our industry and what we do every day in our company, right? Well, you know, to uphold our mission as, as our two companies have very uh, similar missions, you know, that line up, right? And... It, that's the cold war that we kind of see every day, that the rest of the public doesn't see. It's an event like this that brings it out, right? And you know how bad it is on from where we see it, right, Andre? Yeah. When it gets to the general population and the general public, it's going to seem really freaking bad when people start to realize what's going on. It's kind of like that, the overnight success phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. you see a person like man they made it overnight yeah but yet you you weren't following them for 10 15 years while they were building their career right they they have a hit album or you know they, they go viral and it's like you know this person just got it overnight but you know they didn't go viral because they put out one video they went viral because the 5000th video they put out went viral or you know the the 5,000th song or the 100th song that somebody recorded, you know, was a hit. Um, It's going to be the same thing with this stuff. It's going to be cyber attack, cyber attack, cyber attack, and boom, one's going to be boom, big. And then the rest of the public, you know, not their fault, but just because this stuff doesn't get covered enough in mainstream media, but they're going to turn around and go, how did all this happen so quickly? And meanwhile, ransomware started in 2007. You know, we're 15 years into this. Right. And we're at a we're at a point now where the cyber criminals are are just winning. And that's and that's the reality. So anything you want to add to that? I just want to give people that perspective, because everybody's going to start hearing a lot more about this stuff. And a lot of people are going to be like, you know, how did, how did this start all of a sudden? It's not all of a sudden. This has been building and building and building. They just got smarter about their methodologies and the targets that they want to hit.
1: I hate to say it, but maybe uh, we do need the gas prices to go up and for this to uh, to to you know go through, so that people's attention and people can now start going to the government. And you know, Biden has his George Bush 9/11 moment where he goes to the podium and like, "Hey, this is the last time. Like, we're going to go hammer on any country that does this again." Mm Yeah. So
0: it'd be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical at this point because, you know, like I I said, Andre and I have been dealing with this for a long time and it just seems like nothing gets done at a high level. It's all, you know, these IT companies out here going to battle against these attackers for these private businesses that, that don't know what to do or how to handle this stuff. Mm-hmm. So jumping into an article from uh, Saturday by Bloomberg, and it just goes into Colonial Hackers stole data Thursday ahead of shutdown. So before they deployed the ransomware, as I beat on my own YouTube channel and on this podcast, they steal the data first. And Andre and I talk about it all the time. They love to come out and say, hey, you know, we don't think any data was stolen. And then a month later, on, as Andre famously says, on a Friday, late Friday, they dropped that. Oh, you know, million records were actually stolen in that attack. So attackers stole nearly 100 gigs of data in two hours. Not bad. It's pretty good uh, bandwidth. Yeah, it's a good so, upload. <laughs> on Thursday, theft followed by locking of computers and ransom demand. And, uh, it just goes in to say that hackers who caused the Colonial Pipeline to shut down the biggest U.S. Gas- gasoline pipeline on Friday began their blitz against the company a day earlier. Quite frankly, they were probably in there well before that, right? This is when they decided to, to, to go. Uh, stealing a large amount of data before locking the computers with ransomware and demanding payment, according to people familiar with the matter. The intruders... We're part of a cyber crime gang called Darkside. So anybody that wants to question where I'm getting this from, it's right here on Bloomberg. Nearly uh, 100 gigs of data out of the Alpharetta, Georgia-based uh, company's network in just two hours Thursday. Two people involved with Colonial's investigation said. Um, double extortion scheme. It's a hallmark of, of every ransomware group that is doing anything today. Uh, Colonial was threatened that the stolen data would be leaked to the internet while the information was encrypted by the hackers on the computers inside the network would remain locked until a ransom was paid. Uh, the company didn't immediately respond to requests. And quite frankly, they haven't responded as of today, midday Monday, um, And then I thought somewhere in this article, I read that they reached out to Darkseid and Darkseid denied or Darkseid wouldn't confirm or deny it. Um, But I think that we're going to see within the next couple of days. The fact that Darkseid hasn't released anything on their public release site yet tells me that that Colonial is is negotiating. So that's just my take
1: on it. What's your take, sir? Hundred gigs of data. I mean, we're speculating, but we can be talking about schematics. So the interesting thing for
0: me is, is, like I've seen this before. It could be a hundred gigs on the initial hit, and then they encrypted the. 100, mm. They started encrypting the hundred gigs, but they were pulling more data.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like hundred gigs is the initial. Yeah, and then when they hit the ransomware, right? So this is how it goes down, folks. They get in there, they go in, they hit, they hit this. Uh, network they 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 want to get the data off in a form that they can right they can't encrypt it first and then take it because now they, they just stole encrypted data which right. is useless to them they take the data now they have it then they start encrypting the 100 gigs that they just stole while they're offloading more data it doesn't ransomware doesn't happen like that ransomware takes time to go through all these files and encrypt them it is quick but it doesn't Somebody doesn't just click a button and poof, like, you know, terabytes of data is encrypted. It takes time for that to happen. So the reason they take that initial 100 gigs is because they take it. So if any point in time during the encryption process, somebody catches something and stops them, they still have the 100 gigs that they can hold over your head and say, oh, well, we didn't get the ransomware deployed. But look, we have all this information that we're going to release if you don't pay us money. Mm hmm. Right. And the pipeline doesn't get shut down and, you know, we're not in that same place. So they don't have as much leverage to ask for as much money. Um, but as you can see, that's just kind of, you know, how it could have went down. That's not how it actually went down. You know, we, we're now dealing with a serious crisis here where the pipeline is shut down. And, you know, the U.S. is potentially looking at a gas shortage here in the next week or two. Yeah. So. Anything you want to
1: add? I'm going to uh, wrap up the show today. No, I mean, it's so interesting that we we said we we're going to do this podcast on a Monday, and here we are. We got, like, the topic where, you know, this is, yeah. Right. So. Oh, and by the way,
0: Andre and I didn't even get to it. I don't even think we have to because I think we covered a lot on this show. Um, but Tulsa, Oklahoma, the city of Oklahoma, is also dealing with a ransomware attack as we speak. Um, on Friday, they were hit. And their entire city is basically shut down. Hmm. So it just goes to show, you know, now, now this is going to bring awareness to the people of Oklahoma and the people of Tulsa, right? And they're going to want answers from their elected officials on why this happened. And this is how cybersecurity is going to organically be a thing that people take seriously, because customers, constituents. You know, employees are going to demand it from the people that they're doing business with and the people that they work for because they're tired of having their information stolen and put on the dark web and you know having that chance of having their identity stolen and things like that. So,
1: anything else, sir? No, just reading. I'm just reading there uh, an article about it, and and the, again, it happened over the weekend, and this yeah. is what they said: the city said no customer information was compromised. But residents will experience delays in networking services, and then they go on to list the things that the residents can't do.
0: Right. So, I so back our, like, article, our Forbes article where it says, you know, get the information out, but don't get the wrong information out. Exactly. Right? Don't tell somebody or don't tell a news outlet that you haven't had uh, any data stolen when there's no way anybody can tell you that in the first 24 hours. Right, right. I mean, I would be highly skeptical. You know, it, you, you can you know, bury your head in the sand, so to speak, and, and say nothing was stolen because you don't have the data to, to determine that, which is definitely the case. But the rule of thumb is, is if you don't have the telemetry or you don't have the logs or you can't go back and prove whether or not somebody was in a system or not, you have to assume that they were.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So, so what that means is if you don't understand what I said – in the IT world, we have things called logging, and logging is basically a record of everything that happens on a system. And Some people turn that on, and some people turn it off, and sometimes they don't turn it on, and it's, you know, it's turned off by default from, let's say, Microsoft, and you have to go in as an administrator and make sure these things are turned on and configured properly. If you don't have that stuff, you're automatically assuming that the data was exfiltrated or, or they got to that system. You're not... Just because you don't have it, you can't just say, well, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's important for people to know because I guess it's easy for people to think, well, we don't have the data, so obviously it didn't happen because there's nothing telling us that it did happen. Well, you didn't have the sensor turned on in the first place to tell you whether it was happened. Yeah. And that's the reality. So, so, yeah, good luck to Colonial and good luck to Tulsa. Uh, and I'm sure next week, uh, when we're in Austin, we'll have more to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to wrap up the show. Any parting
1: words? No, we're all good, man. Look forward to seeing you next week. Hopefully there's enough gas and the planes can, uh,
0: (laughs) right. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. So, all right. So, uh, we're going to wrap up the show. Remember folks, we don't get paid for this podcast. Uh, we don't do sponsorships and we don't annoy you with promotions in the middle of it. Uh, we just ask that you share out our podcast on social media. We record this live on Facebook and YouTube. Just hit the share button, share it out to your friends and family. Let them know that this exists. Start getting them educated on the threats that are out there and the things that they can do to start protecting themselves. That's what we try to help you do on this channel. If you ever have any questions, you ever wonder about anything we talk about on this show, head over to those places on YouTube and Facebook and drop a comment on any of our videos. We monitor that and we will answer any questions. The final thing that I ask, rate us on your favorite podcast channel. So if you're listening to us while you're working out, while you're driving to work or whatever you're doing, we appreciate it. Give us a five-star review and maybe take 13 to 90 seconds of your life and write a nice little review and tell people why they should listen to this podcast and what benefit it brings you. And maybe it'll bring them the same benefit. So that's how it helps us out. So that's it for me. Sayonara, Andre. I'll see you next week, sir.
1: All right. Take care. Bye, everyone.